timing, have you ever heard it? You ever heard this? Timing is everything. Timing is everything. Well, I want to tell you, timing is everything. You probably don't realize how important timing is in the kingdom of God. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son. At a specific time, the writer here, the Apostle Paul, refers to it as the fullness of time. When the fullness of time came, at that right moment, some Bibles translate, at that very right moment, God sent forth his Son. Now, maybe you've heard some of the, some of the explanations of why 2,000 years ago at that time, when Jesus came into the world, what was significant, all the events and the things that were layered one upon another and that all came together. But the reality is, is that God has a clock. God has set creation. Though he is eternal and we are created to be eternal, God has set creation under his clock. And, and that clock is moving throughout time. And at a particular time, that perfect time, God sent forth his son. Now, God has bound the world with times and seasons. And to interact with God, you need to seek his timing. If you're going to walk with God, if you're going to have a relationship with him, if you're going to understand the Lord, if you're going to move with him, you're going to have to have this in your understanding, that God is a God of times and seasons. That phrase, the fullness of time, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, is defined, the definition of that is the totality of a period of time. The fullness of time, that phrase in the original scriptures literally meant the totality of a period of time with the implication of proper completion. In other words, what that means is that God has inserted purpose into the times and seasons. In fact, God has created times and seasons around his purposes so that God's purposes, his plans, his maneuvers, the things that he desires to do, that he's projected from eternity past into the line of history, God's done them within segments of time. So time that is pregnant with God's purpose governs the history of the world. God's times contain his purposes, and when you walk with God, timing is everything. If you know the Lord, you probably figured out pretty quick, timing is everything. To give you an example, um, in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, Jesus said to the woman at the well, who was a Samaritan, was figured out, he was, she said, you must be a prophet of God. And she said, let me ask you a question. Our fathers say we should worship in this mountain, and you people say that you should worship at the temple in Jerusalem. So what's the deal about worshiping God? Jesus' answer begins with a comment about time. He said, but a time is coming. And now that time is actually here when the true worshipers 
will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such people to be his worshipers. So God says through Jesus, my purpose that people would worship me not in this mountain, not in the temple in Jerusalem, not in any particular place, geographical location, or among some special people, but all over the face of the earth where people find themselves, we have entered into a time. I have transitioned. I've come, and my coming is going to transition the world into a new time period. And in this time, people will worship God in spirit and in truth wherever they are. So you see that, that God puts purposes in times. In the book of Daniel, Daniel's, um, Daniel is in the court of the heathen king Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar's had a dream. He's a disturbing dream. He knows his dreams come from God or some kind of a God. And he's asked for the uh, dream interpreters and the wizards and so forth to interpret his dream, and none of them can. And so Daniel is going to have a meeting with Nebuchadnezzar, and he interprets the king's dreams, which the interpretation has historic significance. And uh, Daniel says in Daniel 2, 19 through 21, Let the name of God be praised forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. He changes times and seasons, deposing some kings and establishing others. He gives wisdom to the wise. He imparts knowledge to those with understanding. So in the context of Daniel saying, listen, your dream has to do with a certain time, a certain period. And it is not the world. It is not you, emperors, you kings, you people of power that actually caused the world to roll forward through history. But God changes times and seasons. Times and seasons are in his hand. If you want to know him, you'll need to know his timing. And so he says, God raises kings up, he puts kings down, and it all has to do with the times and the seasons that he has under his hand. So while God is eternal and made in his image and likeness, you and I are also eternal. When you die, you're not just going to end. It's not going to be the end of you. But God's made your body temporal, and it will end. But you, the thing that is you, your soul inside of you, was ignited and animated by the breath of God. It has an eternal component. So like God, made in his image and likeness, you are eternal. Where you go from the point that your body dies is entirely between you and Jesus, who came into the world to introduce you to God, to introduce you to himself. But he has set creation in periods of times. For example, Ecclesiastes, most have heard the scripture that says, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And so there is a season and a time for everything. God orders those times. So I've kind of said all this because I want to make, make one point, kind of establish this point. And it's important that you get this because nothing else I say is really going to make sense if you don't get this. God is not random. God is not random. And, and by random, what I mean is that everything that we know about God um, 
he's not just like some cos cosmic random machine that at any given time, under any kind of motivation, people can just sort of reach in, grab the things of God, and bring them into their world, their time, and their purpose. God's not random. God is a God of purpose. And those purposes are wrapped up in times and seasons. So the reason I say that is that an off-road mentality, a random mentality, living a life that's, that is just random, getting up every day without any sense that there is such a thing as a time and a purpose under heaven. And just living randomly will guarantee a disconnect with God. If you want to know God, you have to understand there are times and seasons. When you wake up every morning, there's a purpose. There is a destiny. Are you aware of it? And when you pray, and when you seek the Lord, one of the first things you feel as you approach him is that sense of destiny, that sense of timing. God is not random. When the Holy Spirit comes into our life, he brings that sense of destiny because he is empowering you to live a coordinated life with God's timing, with God's purpose. Try thinking a little differently. If you're a Christian and you pray and you seek the Lord and you're serious about your relationship with God, try thinking rather than, um, I'm living my life. How do I get God to bless and direct my life? I want to do his will, and uh, yet I want to figure out what his will is for my life. Instead of having that orientation and having that focus, try thinking, God set in motion purposes before I ever came into this world. And in fact, I came into this world under the purpose of God. There is a purpose for my life. I am part of that will that God has set forth. And so I want to wake up and find out, Lord, what is your purpose? What is your timing? The Holy Spirit comes into your life, and when he does, he brings that sense of a coordinated life with God's timing, and he draws us into prayer with a sense that our days must engage with the gears of the Father's clock. I'm giving a classic example of where you can see this um, in the scripture. Jesus said, after he rose from the dead, and he's standing in front of his disciples, and just capture the emotion of the moment for, if you will, that uh, Jesus has promised the kingdom. He died, they were shattered, and then he's risen from the dead, and they're standing in front of him, and all of a sudden, hope is absolutely rocketed with resurrection, and they're sitting there, what is he going to say? And um, everybody's just got different expectations. And God is very much aware of that. But what he says is meant to draw us into his will and to orient us on top of his hill, not our hill, not our will. Your life will be much better with him on top of his hill, his mountain of purpose. So Jesus says to the disciples in Acts chapter 1, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses throughout the world. 
Now that is significant because when they see Jesus, they want to know, is this the time? Will you be defeating the Romans? Will, will our nation be raised back up? Will you be reigning in Jerusalem as the king? Are all these prophetic things that Isaiah and, and uh, Jeremiah and the different prophets prophesied, are there, is now the time for them to all be fulfilled? And he, he, he moves them past that kind of thinking. He says, the Father has set times and seasons in his own power. It's not for you to know those times and seasons. In other words, for you to walk with God, for you to interface with him, to have a connectedness with him, you don't need to know what's going to happen on up ahead. We always want to know, should I move my investment from this to that? If I just had a, if I just had a uh, what do they call them? Crystal ball, thank you. So, you know, if I just had a crystal ball, I know, you know, and I, you're making relationships. How's this relationship going to turn out? If I could just see on up the road. Jesus said concerning his return, the times and the seasons for the restoration of Israel, that was their prominent question. But for any of these things, God says, the times and seasons are in the Father's hand. He's not saying that you're not going to be a part of those times and seasons. He's saying, you can't figure them out. And you're not going to walk with me by me explaining, giving you a roadmap. That's why I used to always wonder about these guys that specialized in Bible prophecy and always made these predictions. I remember the first ones as a young Christian years ago. 1984, Jesus will return. And they'd have it down to September whatever, you know. And I think... Nobody learns. <laughs> Nobody, they, they never learn. And then it's like, okay, that came and went. It's 1993. And it just keep moving the goalpost. But what did Jesus say? Nobody knows the time or season. It's not for you to know. But what is for you? It's for you to know the Holy Spirit. You don't need to know the times and seasons to get on track with God. But you do need to know the Holy Spirit. If you want to be on track with God, Jesus said, you shall receive power within yourself. The Holy Spirit will bring the power of God upon your life. And as you follow the Holy Spirit, as you are a follower of Jesus and let the Holy Spirit lead you, you'll be fine. You'll be moving along in God's track of time. Amen. You don't have to see what's coming up ahead, but you'll be prepared for it when you get there. Can you say amen? So Jesus is saying um, in John later on to the disciples, he says, the wind blows wherever it will, and you hear the sound, but you don't know where it's coming from. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit of God. So Jesus said, those that are born again, those that move in the Holy Spirit, the world sees them like the wind. They don't know where they're coming. They don't know where they're going. These people are following some totally different set of coordinates than we are. And the reason is that Christians who follow the Holy Spirit seem like the wind to the world because the Holy Spirit does not move according to the opportunities of the world. He moves the world according to the opportunities of God. When you watch history... 
for example, and you study and look down through the corridors of time and look at history, the thing that you have to realize is that God is moving times and seasons throughout history. And the only time there is success in our life is when we allow the Holy Spirit to come in, bring us back into fellowship and communion with the Father, and He will walk us where we need to be. He will lead us where we need to go. You and I ought to get up every day and pray as though we were moving on a trajectory with divine intersections. We ought to get up and seek the Father every single day and say, Lord, there are important intersections up ahead of me today. I don't want to miss them. But I don't know the times and seasons. I don't know where people are coming from that I haven't even met yet. But you do know. You, Lord, you know. Do you wake up in the morning and stir that sense of destiny? If, if you fellowship in the Holy Spirit with the Father, that sense of timing is always right there. Don't ignore it. Don't, quen don't quench it. It's there for a reason. There is purposes of God in the hour that you and I are living in. And we can live against those purposes or we can flow with those purposes. But the Holy Spirit is the one as you yield your heart to the Lord and obey His Word, and you're waiting on Him for direction, the Holy Spirit's the one who makes sure that you're on track with what those purposes are. Christians don't walk with God because they're smart enough to figure out what God's doing. They walk with God, although I don't think there's a premium God places on being dumb. I don't think being dumb is necessarily going to help you um, in your walk with the Lord. But it's wonderful to know that you don't have to be a rocket scientist. It's wonderful to know you don't have to be a genius. It's wonderful to know that you don't have to stretch your brain to figure what are God's great plans and purposes. I've only got one life. I've got to think about this one life. But the Holy Spirit God has put in you so that you can know what is God doing and bring me into my part of what he's doing. What a thought. We tend to get up in the morning and we lay out before God our lists. And it's fine to have a list. Oh, we pray for this one and that person, this situation. And you know what? Jesus said, bring everything to God in prayer. Bring it all and lay it upon the altar. But undergirding everything ought to be that sense of timing. Lord, today there is a will of God for my life. And make me aware of your timing Make me aware. Have you, ever, have you ever been traveling, going somewhere, or making appointments, or about to do something, and you just had that little tap on your heart, and the Holy Spirit said, not yet. I don't know why, just not yet. See, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, He'll hold you so that when you get there, that, that other entity, that other person, that other set of circumstances will have been brought into place and you'll make that divine intersection. People that walk with God, if you talk to them, if you look back over their life, their life is a story of intersections, of encounters, of divine blessing and divine purpose. Not everything 
has to be about blessing you, but everything has to be about the kingdom of God and the will of God being done. I'd much rather live a life of purpose than to have all the blessings that everybody else has. I'd much rather, not that I have to choose between them, but one is definitely more important than the other. Not my will, but yours be done. That's how Jesus did the work that brought salvation to you and I. And that's what you and I need to do is to understand there is a time. Not only in the fullness of time, not only in the fullness of time did God send forth his son, but at the perfect and right time, Jesus handed himself over to Pilate to be crucified. He was crucified in the absolute perfect time. And every, every prophetic forecast of what he would do laid hundreds of years in advance every one of those boxes were ticked off Jesus walked in perfect timing Proverbs 3 5 through 6 says trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths so how do we get from A to B? How do we get in the timing of God where God wants us to go? It's certainly not by figuring out the timing and the seasons. Nebuchadnezzar was told by Daniel, God raises up kings, he puts them down, he gives knowledge to the, to the wise, and the Lord will direct your path. And so oftentimes it's simply a matter of saying, Lord, I put the reins in your hand. Direct my path. I'm moving forward today. I'm going to go to my job. I've got these appointments. But Lord, fine-tune me. Let me know where I'm going, what I should be prepared for. You know, you start praying like that, God will prepare you while you're on your knees for what's about to happen five hours later. Amen. As you're praying, the Lord will put on your heart, you're going to be in Walmart. You're going to be getting in line. And you're going to encounter somebody. Or the Lord will speak to you and and, and it may be, may be a little abstract, but you'll have a sense about your, yourself ministering to someone or giving something or encouraging. And you're thinking, wow, that's awesome. That's wonderful. But I don't know what to do with it. Hold on to it. You're not at that intersection yet. Just hold on to it. Five hours later, two days later, there you are and that situation's there. So people that walk with God always seek timing because timing is everything. When I was a young man, I had the opportunity to be, uh, spend a lot of time around airborne troops in the Army. And, and I was fascinated about airborne warfare and how it worked. And when I was young, that was relatively, kind of, still kind of a relatively new idea. But I want to use the analogy of it to, to speak to you about timing this morning. You know, we, we all see the movies and the planes are flying over Belgium and France, and all of a sudden these troops are flying out of the back of these transport planes being dropped in the DZ, the drop zone. But the reality is a tremendous amount of planning and coordination, precise timing, precise coordination, goes into executing a successful insertion of troops into a battle. And so everything from, from finding a nice flat level 
drop zone that doesn't have a whole bunch of trees and high tension wires in it and it doesn't have lakes and ponds and you know obstructions and then the planes that load the load the troops up and they're on their way their ride those pilots have got to calculate airspeed and wind as they move over the drop zone and then as they approach the drop zone all those calculations are made and by the way all the timing all the intelligence to figure out where the enemy is and what's the right time to make this drop. And uh, even last minute things, if, if, if the enemy has moved at the last minute, you've got to all of a sudden maybe change your timing a little. But there you are, you're over the, you're, you're moving towards the drop zone where you're going to make your jump, you're going to go out of the plane. And the light comes on and the order's there and the jump master tells you you get up to your feet and you hook up that static line that there's a line that goes to your chute that that pulls the uh, that deployment bag that holds your holds your parachute it pulls it out so you're not jumping on the plane and pulling a ripcord you're hooking up and you shuffle to the door and that light goes on and the jump master at that very moment shouts go 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 and you can't stand in the doorway and say I'm not sure if I feel led at this time to do this. At that moment, it's too late to say, um, you know, I don't, not, I don't know if this is the right thing. I'm, I'm not sure about the timing. Or no matter how you feel, you're going to get a boot in your rear end and you're going out the door. Amen. And if the guy who shuffled behind you, you're going. So that's it. But you know what? The perfect jump, when you, you don't often get perfect jumps, the perfect jump, that whole stick, that whole group of guys ends up going down perfect condition and they land in the drop zone. And you now have a successful operation. Now they could go fight. This is just getting them there. Right. This, they haven't done any fighting yet. This is just getting them there. God is trying to get you and I to the drop zone. He's trying to insert us in life, where he plans to use us. Do you know God has put training, put weapons, put things in you, blessings, to be effective in the world? And trust me, his battles in life against the kingdom of darkness are far more, far more important and far more violent and there's much more at stake than the physical wars and conflicts and battles we see around us. And God is looking for people that he can train. <clears throat> so this is a little training pep talk this morning. And I am asking you to make a practice of seeking God about timing, being willing to live the life of a disciple who is seeking the timing of the Lord. You know, there's Christians in the trees and fried on high tension wires and scattered seven miles and 10 miles and 12 miles off of the drop zone because the insertions were all messed up. For one reason or another, timing gets messed up. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. When we listen to the Lord and we're obedient and we do what he tells us to do, Unlike natural airplanes and pilots and all these other things, 
God and His angels and the Holy Spirit don't make mistakes. You can't shoot Him down. So if you are willing and obedient, the Bible says you'll eat the good of the land. This is a pep talk about living a life in the timing of God and seeking that timing. Look, don't live as though your life is a purposeless blank page for you to just fill however you see fit. Listen to what the scripture says um, in uh, James. It says in James 4, 13 through 16, look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we're going to stay there a year. We're going to do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is this. I'm still reading from James. What you ought to say is this. If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. That sounds harsh. Sounds pretty strong. All such boasting is evil. How many Christians really live by that? Or how many of us just simply read the weather, the economic temperature of the world, and say, you know what, honey, uh, we're packing up. We're getting out of here. We're going over here. We're going to move over there. This is the plan that we've got. And then what, where prayer comes in is we pray and ask God to bless it. So we come up with our strategy. We come up with our plan, and then we ask God to bless that plan. Why are there so many believers that are frustrated and in doubt as to whether God answers prayer? Because they're not walking and praying like Jesus, saying, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus said clearly in the garden, I'd really rather not have to, you know, go through this, not my will, but yours be done. Amen. He was obedient. Why? Why is obedience important? Because there's a time and a season. If there were not a time and a season, you could get up every morning and live an abstract, random life. It wouldn't matter, and you just ask God to bless it. If that's what you think Jesus came for, if that's what you think God is, you're going to have a disconnected life. The Holy Spirit's come to get you on that plane, to train you, and to insert you in life, not just once, not twice, but every single day of your life. Can you say amen? amen. i share with you in closing um, that uh, there was a king, his name was Hezekiah in the Old Testament, and the story's in 2 Kings chapter 20. And Hezekiah was a good man. Uh, most of the kings of Israel were not good. They were pretty wicked. But Hezekiah was a fairly straight-up, God-fearing king. Yet, like so many of us, um, you know, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. Hezekiah was a compromiser, and he compromised. And he let the enemy into his kingdom and, and into his reign. And as a result, he became ill and was going to die. And so he's on his deathbed. The prophet of God comes to him and prophesies, you're going to die within a certain amount of time. Your life is over. And um, this is it. And when the prophet walks out, Hezekiah turns on his bed to the wall and bitterly starts weeping. And he cries out to God. And he says, God, I have squandered. I've been selective in my obedience. In my rule as king, 
I've, I've pleased you in some areas and then just taken matters into my own hands. I haven't been consistent. I haven't been obedient. Please forgive me. And he pours his heart out before the Lord. Now Isaiah, the prophet who had just prophesied to him, said, you're going to die. Has just left his bedroom and he's out in the courtyard and the Holy Spirit stops Isaiah and speaks to him and says, I have something else to say to the king. And he sends him back in, and as he's walking back in, God speaks to Isaiah and tells him to say this. This is what the Lord God, the God of your ancestor David, says to you. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Look, I will heal you. The day after tomorrow, you're going to get up and go in. He he had been sick and was, was about to die. Day after tomorrow, you're going to get up and go into the Lord's temple. And I am going to add 15 years to your life. And I'm going to rescue you, and I'm going to rescue this city from the king of Assyria. And I will shield this city for the sake of my reputation and because of my promise to David, my servant. And God turns the whole thing around. You see... You see, God said, I change times and seasons. God has set certain times and seasons. But just like a clock that's got giant cogs and little cogs, and some move slow, some move fast, God is able to fine-tune. We get a messed-up idea about um, predestination. We think that there's this hardcore track, and if you're off that track, your life is over. Forget it. If you've missed it, you've missed it. But God is a God of redemption. Amen. You see, Hezekiah had opened himself up. He had opened himself through mismanagement of his life, through prayerless mismanagement of his life, and through prayerless mismanagement of your life, you can leave yourself open to unprescribed trouble, troubles that God never ordained or prescribed for you. You can open yourself up to them, and even death. Don't ever allow your soul to grow prayerless and drop out of God's timing and seasons where you're just living day after day and you're not even bothering to think about what is God's timing? What is God's purpose here? Because without a sense of urgency about God's timing, you know what you're like? You're like that alcoholic that's passed out on the couch when the knock comes to the door. When Jesus is knocking at the door and you're knocked out in a drunk on the couch and you can't hear him, you can't stir yourself, you can't rouse yourself. Keep yourself alert. Those that seek me early shall find me. So Hezekiah had lapsed into a spiritual stupor, but he cries out to God. God doesn't say, sorry, it's too late. Wish I could do something. There's nothing we can do about it now. You're going to die. Too bad. But instead, God is redemptive. And God is able, because he controls times and purposes, he can make adjustments in your life and mine. And it doesn't throw off his general plan, his general order. God, with perfect foreknowledge, who knows everything that's going to happen, was able to plan, and he can lay out a myriad of scenarios. That's why it's so important every day that we're willing to make adjustments and come back to where God wants us to be. To wake up, if you've wasted three years of your life and you haven't sought God's will, don't think that destiny has passed you by. 
The Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Do what Hezekiah did and wake up and say, Lord, forgive me. And the Lord will say, I've added 15 years to your life. And besides that, I'm going to shield and protect you in your city. And the enemy that was about to attack and destroy you, forget about it. He's not going to have any success. I'm going to protect you. So, okay, I've kind of said everything I can say about just inspiring you that there's a sense of timing in your life and you should be seeking it and God wants you to seek it. And so I'd like to kind of bring this to an altar call. This morning is Communion Sunday and if our servers would come and they're going to pass out to you while I'm talking, if the servers will just go ahead and pass out to everybody, those individual little communion things. We discovered these things back when two years ago when COVID hit and we couldn't all come up and get all close around them. But these are cool. They have the little, you know, you peel the bottom off and there's the wafer and the top and there's the, there's the wine. So they're going to they're gonna give you one of these individually sealed communion servings. Hold on to it. We're going to receive it together. So don't, don't be distracted by the activity though. Let me, let me continue to hold your attention. As we prepare for our altar ministry this morning and for your moment of decision, I want to remind you that Psalm 31 says, My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. David wakes up and David says, My times are in your hands. The thing about David, he was a great leader. He was also a great sinner. He was really good at everything he did. He did everything well. He didn't believe He did nothing halfway. But the one thing that David had was he had an acute sense of God's timing. And he was tender-hearted. And he always went back to God and said, Lord, put me back on track with your timing. I've gotten off track. You know you've gotten off track. The enemy breaches your defenses. There's zips in the wire, as they say, and he's in there. And now it's hand-to-hand combat. You're off balance. And uh, you're just trying to survive. You're no longer in a defensive or offensive position. You know when you're out of sync with God's timing. It's rough. It's ugly. And that's when you need to humble your heart and be willing to go back to God and say, Father, Father, forgive me. Bring me back into communion with you. I know there's a purpose for my life. And this is the last thing I'll say before we pray together. Never, ever look at yourself and say, God doesn't have a purpose for me. God's timing doesn't involve me. I'm not important. Because that is exactly what the devil wants you to believe. Maybe in the eyes of people, you're not significant. Maybe in the eyes of society, you're not great. Maybe in the eyes of your own family, you're not important. Maybe few or no people really love or care about you. Forget about all of that. The God who has set times and purposes in his hand, holds eternity in his hand, he made you. 
It's His Spirit that made your soul eternal. And He loves you with a dear and an everlasting love. He cares for you and your life can turn into anything. Let me say it again. Wherever you are today, you can't imagine where you might be six months from today or a year from now. God does amazing things with people when they start realizing timing. God's timing is everything. Put yourself in the Lord's hands. Become the man, become the woman that God put you on this earth to be. And God will make you a history maker, a world changer. Not because you're running around responding to what everybody thinks ought to be done, but because you're on your knees saying, Lord Jesus, just lead me. Humbling yourself before him, saying, Lord, just use me. Here's my life. You'll never be greater than that person that you are when you put your life in his hands. Stand with me. Thanks, Jake. If you'll tear that little tab off and get that little biscuit out of there. I wonder if they had tiny little pieces of bread at the Last Supper. Well, the size isn't what matters, is it? No. It's the fact that this represents 2,000 years ago the body of the Savior, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, came into the world, in fact, crucified. His purpose for birth was to die on that cross for you and I, knowing that the Father would raise him from the dead and through him raise us up from the death of sin and make us new creations, his children. Wow, all that represented here, yep. What does this say? It says, Jesus got so close to you that he became bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. Could he get any closer than to become one, physically one with you? He was physically tortured, physically died. It wasn't a thought, wasn't a, a sentiment. He actually gave his life. That's the significance. The Bible says, with his stripes we were healed, with the brokenness of his body, we were healed. We were healed. Praise God. So that's what this represents. Lord, we lift up to you the body of Jesus Christ. We know this bread isn't the body, but we know your body is in heaven, resurrected. And Lord, as we receive this bread, Lord, we say within ourselves, the body of Christ is mine because he has given it to me. And I receive the healing forgiveness. I receive it in Jesus' name. Let's eat this together. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you'll turn this over and just open that, and there's that little bit of wine. The Bible says, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he lifted it up to the disciples, and he said, let me tell you about this cup. This wine is my blood, and in my blood is the New Testament. It would be a few days from that night when Jesus would say, the time, the time has come when the true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. So Jesus lifted up that cup and he said, this blood is your contract 
your covenant. This is your birth certificate as a child of heaven, a child of God in the blood of Jesus. Let me tell you, the devil can't mess with this. Jesus took his blood to heaven and he laid it on the mercy seat. The Bible says that blood forever is speaking. Your name in heaven, your name is written. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, you say, what does that mean? Well, what it means is when you open your heart and receive Jesus in as your Savior, turn your life over to him, he's, you're one that he has redeemed. Your name's written in his blood in heaven and nobody can touch it. The devil can't do a thing about it. You can let the devil torment you with doubts and fears all your life if you want to, but he can't touch the blood. He can't change what God has done. So you might as well enjoy the blessing because this new covenant provides deliverance, healing, forgiveness, and peace. If there is strife, if there is fear, if you've been tormented in your life, if you've come in today and you have found yourself in conflict, the end of your conflict is in this communion this morning. This communion sets you at peace with the Father. What have you got to worry about? When you receive that peace, God is on the job to deliver you out of the hands of the enemy. He, he will work that complex problem out in your life. I believe that in Jesus' name. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus that ended the struggle between my life as a sinner and you as my holy creator. And this blood has washed my sins. And I receive that in the name of Jesus. I believe you are God. And I believe that in your blood is life. And you are giving that life to me. I receive it right now. And with it, I receive my deliverance. My deliverance from everything Satan's tried to do in my life. And I put myself in your hands. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we prepare to close, the um, they're going to come around with the little... Uh, little white baskets and they'll just drop these in. Just remain standing for a moment. Look. I'm glad to see some of you. I haven't seen you in a while. John, it's awesome to see you back. Uh, Terry and Helen, John, some others have had COVID and been out. Had Some of you have had a rough time of things. But today is a new beginning. Let me say it again. Today is a new beginning. Praise the Lord. And you know, we sang that song, You Are Good. You Are Good. And maybe you need just a refreshing of the goodness of God in your life. So I'm going to do this. I usually would have an altar call and invite people to come up to receive Jesus or if they need prayer to come. But I'm going to ask all of you, all of you, and if you need to Keep some separation, that's perfectly fine. You do whatever you need to do. But I'm gonna ask all of you to just come up and make your way up in this front area of the church. And let's just gather around, because in our closing prayer, I wanna pray for the anointing of God to fall afresh upon your life. So come find a spot. Feel free, if you need to sit, you can just come right on these front rows and sit. Be a part of it, come on up. Come on up, praise God. Hey, Shelby.
Lord, make this an altar where we are standing right now, a heavenly spiritual altar. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to pour out your presence. If you've been hungry and thirsty for the Lord, I want you to just open your heart and just say, Father, I need the Holy Spirit. Just tell him, Father, I need the Holy Spirit. I ask for the Holy Spirit to come into my life. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray pour out your Spirit. Fill men and women's hearts this morning. Touch lives. Open minds. Thank you, Lord, for your power. Thank you for your anointing. Glory to God. If there's been a burden, if there's been something you've been holding on to, and you're in the middle of a struggle even right now where you stand, and you know you need to, you don't know how to get rid of it, you don't know what to do with it, but you know that you need to separate that thing from your life. I want you to just, the Father's hand is reaching out, just put it in His hand. It's an act of your will. Just release it. Say, Father, here's this struggle. Here's this temptation. Here's this sin. Here's this mess that I don't know how to deal with. I put it in your hand. I release it to you. Come on, just even under your breath, just say it to the Lord. I release it to you right now. I release it to you right now. Lord, in Jesus' name, I put this situation in your hand. Separate me from the Separate me from the weights that have been holding me down. Separate me from the fear. Separate me from the sin. Separate me, Father, from the bondages. And just let it go. Just put it in the Lord's hands. Spirit of the living God, I command every yoke, every bondage, every hold that any devil, any demon has had over anyone's life cares of this world, whatever they are, I command them to break. Lord, you said you would baptize us with the Holy Ghost and fire, and fire burns things up. And I pray that you will burn up, Lord, those things, Father, that have been bringing damage and oppression to the men and women, Father, who are standing before you right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let it go. Just let it go. Thank you, Jesus. Let it go. Holy Spirit, do your work. Holy Spirit, do your work. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, miracle worker. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, bring us back into timing with you. Thank you for reminding us today that you have a purpose and a timing. And I believe that we're walking in it. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I look for a week beginning the rest of this day. In the next seven days, I see a week of forward progress, a week of victory a week of peace, a week of new beginnings, a week of healing, a week of deliverance, a week of joy being refreshed. I thank you for a week of provision coming. I thank you for a week of wisdom making, its, making itself known. 
the answers that we've been seeking coming. Move us forward this week in your will. We thank you and praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. If you would, just lift your hands to the Lord. Now may the God who is the God of life, the Lord Jesus Christ, may he fill you with his spirit. May his love fill your heart. May his joy strengthen you. May he give light and radiance to your heart and brightness to your eyes and guide your steps as you go from this house today. Be blessed in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Praise God, praise God. Well, don't rush off. Take time, greet one another, fellowship together. Thank you, Lord.